you know, he says there's um, there's decades when nothing happens, and then there's weeks when decades happen. And um, you know, that's that's sort of the, the left field black swan event that that COVID I, I think was in in many 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 respects. Welcome to the 100 CEO Project Podcast. So you guys, welcome back to the 100 CEO Project Podcast. Today, we're excited to be talking with Alex Hunt. He's the CEO of Behaviorally. It's a company that helps brands make better marketing decisions by defining and diagnosing the digital and physical behaviors that drive shopper growth. Um, the secret sauce, if you will, is in unique behavior, their unique behavioral framework, digital first approach, and decades of experience. So Alex, it's super to have you and thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Very much appreciate it and uh, happy to be here. I've read a lot about you. People recognize you as one of the foremost thought leaders in the industry of insights. Um, you're a systems thinker. And so I'm wondering, were you that kid like in your, in your neighborhood who helped all the lemonade stands like orient geographically so they'd like receive the right traffic flow? I mean, how did you get here? No, good, very, very good question. And the opposite, uh, in fact, I mean, I, I've been in the uh, insights industry uh, my entire career, so uh, almost 20 years. Um, but I, I actually came into the industry completely uh, by accident. Uh, I, I studied uh, politics at uh, university and was intending to go to law school, um, but was done with, with study. So I, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll work for a year and then come back to, to law and, and um, do that afterwards. And uh, I happened to come across a uh, place on the graduate scheme uh, at a company called Millwood Brown, which is now part of uh, Kantar uh, in the UK and uh, thought, well, this looks quite interesting, so I'll, I'll apply. Um, and I, I applied, got invited for an interview, and it was a, a two-day interview, uh, you know, for, the, for that graduate class. And I remember the, the, the final thing that the final interviewer said to me on the, on the second day was, if we invite you back, will you promise that you know something about what we do? And I, I, as I was walking out of the room, I was sort of thinking, I don't know whether that was a complete car crash or maybe I'm coming back. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, I said, yes, of course, uh, you know, I'll, I'll know. And um, but the rest is history, really. I mean, I, 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 I worked in the industry um, my entire career, both in the UK and the US. Um, I spent a considerable amount of time in a large agency, um, Miller Brown, which became part of Kantar or at that point WPP. Uh, worked and grew a smaller agency uh, at the time called Brain Juicer. It's now System One Group um, and essentially opened their Chicago office, uh, Los Angeles, ran the US business and then the global research business uh, for, for that business as we, we really grew very, very quickly um, between 2009 and 2018 when I left and then uh, joined PRS in Vivo um, as the global CEO and now the, the CEO of Behaviorally and Behaviorally is the successor to PRS in Vivo USA. We've rebranded this year as of January 21st. Um, and so that's really how, you know, how I, how I arrived where I, where I am. I think 
first off, it's a fascinating industry. Um, I wasn't at all aware of the intricacies and, and how much it can accomplish. But for those like me who are not familiar with it, could we create maybe a couple of working definitions before you dive in? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, the, the insights industry, um, you know, it has lots of different names. You could, you could call it uh, market research, marketing research, um, you know, more, more, more traditionally, um, you know, in the future, very much about data. Um, but at its core, uh, it's really just about understanding why people, human beings, make the decisions that they do uh, and leveraging that information, of course, to the advantage of the, the person or the brand or the company that is commissioning that, that work. Um, it's really as, as simple as that. And, um, you know, often I think gets a, a bad rap, uh, you know, perceived as a, a somewhat pedestrian industry. You know, you, you watch shows like uh, Mad Men is, is an example where the, the advertisers are interesting and sexy and uh, cool and the, the market researcher is dull and boring and statistically driven. Um, but personally, I've always found it fascinating. I, I don't think there's anything more interesting than helping you know, your client, whoever that client may be, um, understand why people are making the choices that they do. I mean, that is just fascinating work. Um, and, and that's really what the industry is all, all about at, at its core. Um, and, you know, in a commercial sense, of course, you know, everyone's familiar with polling. You understand what voters are going to do. But in a commercial sense, which is really where behaviorally works, uh, it's about understanding why shoppers are making the choices that they are. Um, and how do we help our clients? And we work with nearly all of the big consumer packaged goods brands. You know, how do we help them optimize uh, behaviors at shelf? And that's both the digital shelf and the physical shelf. So, so Alexander, you, um, when we first spoke, you alluded to some unexpected on top of unexpected, and you spoke earlier about the merger. So can you sort of share how 2020 played out for your company and what it was like to lead during such a turbulent time? Yeah, um, I, I, absolutely I can. Um, um, you know, 2020 was probably the year that, that none of us were, were expecting. Um, you know, as, as we uh, progressed, we, we were probably 15 months into a, a global transformation program, which, which, which was going very well, um, you know, and, and very, very successfully. Um, you know, when COVID hit uh, around March, um, you know, I'd refer to the, the, the coming, you know, several months as really phase one. Um, you know, in phase one of COVID, we, we saw 50% of our revenue uh, shut off overnight. Um, and that portion of our revenue was the revenue that we do in person. So work where we're talking to consumers in person on behalf of clients. And as, as listeners will fully understand, you know, that became much, much, much more difficult uh, during COVID. Um, in phase two, uh, you know, we certainly had some choices ahead of us as a company. Um, we had a change in ownership of the of the business and you know had to get ready to prepare to relaunch our business um, and so there were really two phases to 2020 um, so it was the year of a of a double surprise in essence um, you know if I think about 
you know, what does that mean? I, I think in phase one, really a commercial leadership challenge and uh, a real necessity to pivot our business even more quickly towards a digital model, which we did incredibly successfully. Um, and, you know, the business recovered very, very well. Um, and I think managed to do so also looking after all of our staff members um, and making sure that we, we continue to deliver for the clients. But that really took a lot of bold, difficult decision-making in order to, to get us there. I think chapter two, um, you know, was living in a lot of uncertainty and, you know, for both yourself as, as a leader, um, but also for the organization as well, managing it through a period of uncertainty on top of a period of, of, of challenge in COVID um, was like that double surprise, really, that, that double challenge. And, and really, that, that's how I think about, about 2020 as, as far as, um, at least behaviorally, is uh, concerned. But yet you've made it. So you're, you're now standing at a, a complete reorganization. We're heading into somewhat of a recovery, hopefully. And so what are some of the things that got you through such, so much of that? Um, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, the important uh, pieces that, that get you through, uh, you know, any challenge in a business um, are really about perspective and teamwork. Um, you know, perspective, what I mean by that is you will go through challenges in, in business. I mean, most businesses have about a seven year life cycle um, and they have to refresh and renew every, every, every seven years. Um, those that don't tend to end up in, in trouble um, ultimately because markets change, um, buyers change. And so keeping COVID in, in the perspective of, look, this is part of the cycle um, is just really, really important. And I think both for yourself as a, as a person leading the organization, but for the wider organization. Um, and of course, COVID is a once in a career time shock in many respects. I mean, you literally have to go back to wartime uh, to find an equivalent impact on, on GDP, to find an equivalent pace of change, at least in the Western world, in terms of the way that people are behaving. And of course, that's the business that we're, we're in. But constantly keeping that perspective and reminding the organization of that perspective um, that the businesses do change, things change, it's part of the, the natural cycle and we have to make decisions to change in line with that broader context and explaining that constantly and always to staff members, to clients, um, you know, and reminding yourself of it, uh, I think is just really, really important as you, as you navigate, uh, as you navigate, um, you know, through, uh, through, through what is a, a, a difficult, difficult uh, period for, for any business. Um, the second place where I, where I think, um, you know, what, what's, the, what's the, the key is just around teamwork. Um, you know, as, as any leader will know, it, you, you're only as good as, your, as, as the team you have around you. It's, it's why you bring in 
frankly, people who are smarter than you and, and better than you at, at, at least the um, the functional task that, that, that they've been asked to, to do, but also a great many other things as well. And I think any crisis is, is a wonderful thing for a leadership team. Um, it really knits a leadership team together really, really closely um, and, and, and tests the governance of an organization. And I think that was probably one of the most rewarding parts of 2020 was seeing how the team came together, um, seeing how we withstood a crisis and came out together stronger on the other side, but then also looking after the wider team um, and, and constantly communicating uh, with them about what's happening and what's going on. And I remember one of our managing directors uh, actually in the, in the UK said to me that, you know, during the height of the pandemic, he was uh, meeting with the team every morning, in fact, his entire team, uh, and often didn't have anything to say, but sometimes just hopping on a team's meeting and saying there is nothing to say and there is no news is, is, is much better than saying nothing at all. And I, and I think, you know, that teamwork, but also constant communication, particularly when you're not physically together, um, was the other thing that was just you know, central to, to surpassing all of the obstacles in our, in our way, really. Not to drill down on the pandemic too much because we're coming out of it and tons of lessons learned, but because of what you do, it's very interesting to kind of go back into that context for a second. So behaviorally, your company applies behavioral insights to shopper-driven growth, <clears throat> excuse me, or to, sh to, to shopper growth. And we're wondering, uh, with respect to the pandemic, uh, what are some of the changes that you, or perhaps better yet, your clients saw and maybe are still seeing right now with respect to shopper behavior and um, what could other retailers be aware of um, in this new new environment? Well, the, the, the big one won't come as a, a surprise to anybody. Um, and it, it's obviously the growth in online uh, shopping versus uh, the, you know, the, the traditional brick and mortar retail environment. Um, and you know the growth in those channels has been exponential. Uh, I mean, it was growing fast before COVID, uh, and you know COVID essentially brought a decade of change within within weeks. Um, we don't think it's going back. Um, I mean that that's the big big learning uh, for me. You know, I was, I was talking to my uh, eighty eight year old father. Uh, last week and um, during the pandemic, they started doing click and collect. Uh, because obviously, you know, as, as, a, as a senior, very worried about the, about contracting the virus. And, um, you know, before COVID, I'm not even sure that he would have known what click and collect uh, was. And, you know, if, if even, you know, people in that segment are, are shifting to online shopping, even in the grocery category, uh, which is predominantly where many of our clients work, um, you know, it's just a tremendous amount of change uh, accelerated um, over over a matter of, of, of weeks, really. Um, and for a lot of our clients, there's tremendous ramifications of that. Um, you know, if we just take two lines of business that we work in, one's defining potential at shelf. You know, the definition of the shelf has, has changed. Um, you know, is the packaging, which is really where we specialize, is defining the success of that packaging um, going to be the same at the digital shelf as it was at, 
at physical shelf. Um, in the other line of business we have, which is really about diagnosing shopper behavior along that path to purchase. Um, well, you know, once it was very linear, right? Now it, it's unequivocally omnichannel. And the bit that's probably growing the quickest is that gray bit in the middle, you know, people moving between those two worlds almost simultaneously. And, you know, we've really seen a growth in that business, you know, because for most of our customers, all of the foundational work that they've done in the year or two leading up to COVID needs redoing. Uh, you know, all of those consumer behaviors, those foundational learnings are no longer applicable. Um, and it, it's really one reason why, as we rebranded as behaviorally, we built it around that future um, digital shopping experience. And if you actually look at our logo, you know, the, the top of the B and the bottom, and there's an overlapping gray area in the middle, it's really designed to bring to light that, that part of the journey that is little understood. You know, the way that shoppers move between the physical and the, and the digital world. It also seems, I'm curious, is it easier now to measure? Because the shifts have been so rapid. You know, I look at, you know, I have some grocery experience. And if you look at, not only did some smaller brands lose a shelf space, so a lot more shelf space, at least here in the US, I heard was given to the larger players. But also a lot of people made a lot of diet and lifestyle changes during this time. I know my family went completely plant-based. So how do you measure? I think brand for one thing has become more important than ever because you revert to brands that you heard about before the pandemic. You may not have the same assortment on shelf and you go try to find them online. How has this rapid change and not only consumer behavior, but the, mar the market and the industry, how has that made it easier or harder? Plus you're implementing new tools if most of your research was in person before. What does that look like? No, absolutely. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily frame it as easier or harder. Um, I mean, one of the one of the ways we think about consumer behavior is really applying behavioral science. And, you know, our behavioral model um, is, is really quite straightforward. You know, we look at the benefits of any particular experience product for the consumer. And also we look at the barriers. Um, so what are the points of friction that prevent them making that choice? And having a really clear framework for how consumers make a decision is incredibly useful and helpful, in fact, essential as you then start to apply it to new contexts. And that's really what the pandemic has brought. A lot of the, the same contrarian elements of human behavior still stand, doesn't matter the, the environment. Um, it's just that they're their context is, is, is different and the way that they're triggered to make those contrarian choices changes. And I think, you know, the big thing for us is, is making sure, you know, as we've rebranded really around that digital first strategy, um, you know, you, you, you put behavioral science and all of that heritage understanding behavior at the core. And that, that's really what behaviorally uh, is about. Um, so, you know, certainly for us, um, you know, has it become more difficult? No, I don't think so. I think it's actually just become more interesting. Um, but that's a trend that's been going for for many, many, many years. Um, you know, and it, it would be dull if, it, if there weren't constantly new challenges. Um, you know, I go back to working in the advertising corner of the market earlier in my career. You know, we used to do 30 second TV spots. Um, whenever we got a 60 or a, or a 15 second spot, it would be, well, does anyone have the learnings on the 60? 
you know, how does that differ from the 30? And, um, you know, now it's not just, you know, 15, 30, 60 second TV spots, you know, you've got a, just a plethora of, of different channels in which brands are communicating with consumers. And so markets change and they've become more, more complex, but I think having that consistent foundation in terms of how you think about consumer behavior, those truths, often they don't change. And, and keeping that in mind as the anchor point is, is probably what, what's helped us the most. I'm going to tag on to what you just said a bit, Alex. In a blog post that you wrote, I believe it was in January, January of this year, um, you gave some statistics that completely baffled me, um, respect of the impact of the pandemic on retail. And so I'll, just a few from, that I pulled from your blog, um, Albertsons, a U.S. grocery retailer, revealed a 276% increase in digital sales in the 16 weeks ended in June by June 20th. Kroger reported a 92% increase in their on-sale online sales. Um, Instacart, the online grocery, grocery service, announced 500% increase in order volume. You also noted in that article um, that Asia has been leading the adoption of e-commerce and omni-channel retail since basically the SARS outbreak, which what has been maybe 15 years. So what made it such that these companies, at least here in the US, that so many really weren't prepared to move in this direction? You know, I, I think it goes to, I, I read a quote from, uh, from Lenin actually, it's a bizarre you know, person to get a quote from, but you know, he says there's, um, there's decades when nothing happens and then there's weeks when decades happen. And um, you know, that's, that's sort of the, 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 the left field um, black swan event that, that COVID I, I think was in, in many, many, many respects. Um, you know, it, it really wasn't part of, of anybody's contingency planning. Um, and I remember at the height of the height of the pandemic, you know, there was a lot of press around um, the airline industry and, you know, they obviously took uh, government funds to, to help sustain themselves through the, through the crisis. And of course there was the, the, the sort of usual clamor. It doesn't really matter what side of the argument sits on. I'm not venturing opinion on any of that, but the usual clamor around, well, you know, why wasn't this part of their contingency planning? You know, how could they possibly not have foreseen such a, such a, such an event? And, you know, on what universe uh, you would have expected airlines to have planned for a literally, you know, 95% reduction in their passenger numbers for an unknown period of time is 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 sort of something that you you, you know you 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 ask and um, you know nobody really planned for this eventuality and planned for it um, well. Now, I, I do think that these events have a habit of coming and the usual cycle is every seven years or so. And if you go back, you know, the last shock to the system was probably the financial crisis. And before that, um, you know, 9-11, um, you know, about seven years, eight years before that. Um, so we really should be better at anticipating Black Swan events, but I think that's part of the, the nature of them is that they're very, very hard to, to predict. and. I don't think that anybody really expected it. Um, those who have really done well 
in the pandemic, I think our companies, though, that were pursuing uh, digital strategies and strategies that were certainly online based anyway, and I mean, that was very much what we were doing. So while COVID certainly accelerated our journey, um, you know, we were on the path already, frankly, and, you know, that that's why we've come out of it really quite successfully. I think the companies that weren't, um, it's more of a challenge because they have to do the planning and do the thinking and then, you know, bring their organizations with them. And it's, it's very hard to pivot in the middle of a, in the middle of a crisis. So um, for me, um, you know, it's, it's not surprising really that people were, weren't prepared. Um, it was one of those shock events, um, but those who have done well were the ones who were probably pursuing the right, the right path in the first place. I'm curious, um, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, you know, you are considered one of the thought leaders in the insights industries. Um, so you help brands and companies define, diagnose and drive shopper growth. And I'm kind of curious um, who or what helps inform how you envision and predict future changes. That's a, a, a great question. Um, you know, I, I, I think the anybody who's leading a, a business, probably one of the most important skills is is just listening. Um, and you, you you learn by listening to anybody and everybody from all different walks of life. And you know, I, I learn more from our team, uh, frankly, than than anywhere else. They're the team that are out there talking to our customers day in day out, they're, they're you know, invaluable sources of information um, and really listening to that um, and listening hard, actively listening to it is probably one of the primary sources of where you find that information. Um, similarly, it doesn't hurt to go out and talk to our customers yourself and um, you know, you're not always able to do it as often as you might like, but certainly you know, I made a rule at the beginning of the year that I was going to talk to a customer um, every week um, because I think it's really, really important to do so. And, and sticking to that and listening again to what your customers are saying is, is probably the second place. You know, the, the third place, uh, you know, where, where we're in such a privileged position uh, within our business um, because we're, we're talking to consumers all the time. You know, that's what our customers are paying us to do on their behalf. And there's nothing quite like flicking through some of our work and um, actually hearing from the consumers what, what they're playing back in response to the, the sorts of things our clients are trying to learn. And, and so I think just listening to all sorts of sources is, is really, really um, important. So final question, and it's also the final question of this season. So um, I lost it. Sorry. All right, got that. <laughs> Systems thinking and behavioral science requires serious structure and brain power. So we're curious, what do you do to recharge? What do I do to recharge? Well, um, I, I, I'm well. I have a six-year-old, so she uh, she keeps me um, keeps me uh, very um, very occupied. Um, but you know, for me, I, I think I, you know, it's a sort of typical question around work life. Um, work-life balance and um, 
you know, I, I often answer it or, or just think about it in terms of that's a, a construct um, that, that's, that's false. If, if you really love what you do, it, it never really feels uh, like work, or at least if you're passionate about it. And, um, you know, for me, I'm just very passionate about what we do uh, behaviorally. And, and therefore, in, in essence, there's, there's no real need to, to recharge because, you know, you, you feel like you, um, you know, you, you enjoy every day. And, and frankly, if, if you don't, life's much too short and um, it's time to do, time to do something else. Um, so I think it's a, a combination of, of those two things. You know, there's nothing quite like a six-year-old that'll distract you and um, force you to think about something else because, uh, you know, I, someone likened negotiating um, with, with a child to negotiating with a terrorist. You know, they're very um, demanding of your attention um, and full attention at all times. Um, so that's a good, good, uh, a good way, but also, you know, just... Uh, making sure that you love what you do and, and, and you're passionate about it. And if you are, um, you, you get a natural energy really from, from that. I have a six-year-old too. <laughs> Hard negotiators. <laughs> so Alex, where can they, um, our, our guests, where can they find you out there on the internet or how do you like to stay in touch? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, Alex Hunt 84 at Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, alex.hunt at behaviorally.com or visit the site at behaviorally.com. Hey guys, we hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your friends and colleagues who also have to navigate this leadership stuff. As you can see, this project is about to be a mini masterclass in every episode. Best part, it's free. So if you like it, please do us a favor and take a screenshot, share it on social with the hashtag 100CEO. That's 100CEO. That way we can say thanks and share it in our stories. And finally, if you've got some insights you'd like to share and you're a CEO, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at 100CEOproject.com or on LinkedIn at the 100CEO Project. Until next time, keep leading by example.